Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dear Everyone Else, brought to you by T. And T. All right, everyone, welcome to episode two of Gear Everyone Else. It's just one tea today, just Pauline today. Taku couldn't be here, but I have other guests today in the show as well, which is very exciting. We'll introduce them later in the show. For today's show, we'll be talking about healthcare for international students, both from the perspective of international student experience with healthcare and also about like the advocacy and work that's done around being able to reinstate health card for international students, because, you know, everyone deserves healthcare for all to be free, regardless of their immigration status and regardless of who they are. But a little bit of background in case you don't know, the health guard for international students got caught in 2018 because the government wanted to save $3.1 million. So all for $3.1 million, international students got their health guard caught. And I was actually, I started university in 2016. So I've been able to see the differences between, you know, when we had health card compared to when we don't have health card, both in the cost of the cost that we pay for insurance and also the experiences that come with that. Um, so I pulled some number out from my Herora account. Uh, I just went to my Herora account this morning just to get some numbers. So it turns out that international students, we pay... For Amsu Health and Dental, each school year, we pay once. And then we also have the MESHA, which is the International Student Healthcare Insurance. And we pay that both semesters. So for both fall and winter semester. And then for the school 2020-2021 year, it turns out that I paid about, in total, $1,341 in total for insurance. This includes both $345 paid for Amsu Health and Dental, as well as the international health insurance, $332 paid in the fall and $664 paid in the winter. And compared to my first year, actually, because in my first year, we had the health card. And in my first year, all we paid for was only for the Amsu Health and Dental, which was only $345 because we didn't have to pay for the international health insurance. The difference between that amount and the amounts that I pay now or that I paid in the 2020-2021 year is about like, it came close to $996 difference, which is about a $1,000 difference. And you would think like, you know, like, right, we're paying so much more than we used to before. The experiences that come with this should be a better one. But I have a guest on the show today that will prove to you that this is not in fact true. And, you know, personal experience myself, like this year, especially, or like during the pandemic, it's been a, an issue with myself where whenever there is an issue of I need to go to the hospital or I need to go to the clinic or get checked up, I have this fear of like, okay, what am I going to meet there? Is it going to be the case where I end up in debt or, you know, things like that? And that shouldn't be the case, right? Like you should should be able to access healthcare without all of the fear that comes with it or without feeling like oh like I'm gonna come back with a negative experience that's gonna, not gonna make me want to go the next time and this things for Shelly for someone who's out to move miles away from their home you know like for a lot of people coming here with no family no friends um, you really want to make uh, a situation where people feel safe and comfortable that there is something they can always rely on like you know like if if they're sick or the health isn't going good, that 
they wouldn't have any of this fear to be able to access the healthcare system. And, you know, especially in the past year with the pandemic, the gravity of not having insurance has especially come to light because, you know, like a lot of international students have found themselves with some pretty negative experience with the healthcare. And as I mentioned before, I have Calvin here. I know a lot of you, a lot of people, or maybe not, might have heard about Calvin and, you know, like who is experienced. And Calvin is just an international student who raked up, you know, like a high amount of debt after running with the healthcare himself. And yeah, so I'm going to give it over to Calvin today to introduce himself. So Calvin, who are you and why are you on the show today, I guess? And tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Calvin Lugalambi. I'm an international student studying uh, civil engineering at the Faculty of Engineering. Yeah, you know, came here a little while ago, but uh, I've been in the at the university. You know, you sometimes you love it, sometimes you hate it. Yeah, I but, agree. You know, it, <laughs> but it is what it is. You know, uh, there's, there's there's two sides of the coin. It's fun being a student, sometimes it's not. But you know, that's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about me on my introduction. And yeah, you know, um, I don't know if many of you have heard, but uh, I got a run up with the with a system at one point in time when I randomly uh, I fell sick um, during May period. And I was in a position of uh, transitioning between two institutions. I was moving from um, the International College of Manitoba to um, the University of Manitoba to pursue my engineering degree. And during that transition, um, I managed to fall sick. And within that time, I, was, I, I wasn't aware of um, if I had um, insurance coverage at, the, at at that point in time. And I was not made aware by neither the institution or the insurance company that, uh, that uh, my, 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 I was not gonna be covered within that period. And of course, no one expects to fall sick in 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 the summertime. You know, it's not it's, it's not a situation you just you just end up in at any one moment in time. But I guess it was unfortunate. So um, I ended up falling critically ill, and you know, you go to hospital, get a checkup. I was facing abdominal pains and that, and it was a it was a pretty severe situation that ended that ended up having me twenty four days in hospital and amounting to one twenty thousand dollars in debt and. I believe the situation would have been a little bit different if um, we had um, health coverage. And I thought that, you know, coming to Canada, it was uh, it was going to be a situation where, you know, we are healthcare for all and everybody is accounted for, considering how much uh, international students contribute to the economy of not just Manitoba and Winnipeg, but the economy of Canada's entirety. And it was pretty unfortunate that by the time I came here, they had uh, revoked our healthcare, which is which is pretty... I guess it was pretty severe at the same time uncalled for because I guess 3.1 million does not amount to how much to anyone's um, healthcare or how much um, contribution of various number of international students contribute to the, you know, to the Canadian society because people need healthcare, you know, nobody's going to come overseas and fall sick and then die because they have been put in a situation where they cannot be able to um, handle themselves, maybe mentally, because um, $120,000 in debt is not a joke, is it? <laughs> You know, that's a, yeah, that's a that's big a, that's amount of money. That's a big amount. That's uh, literally going to Harvard, is it? <laughs> so it's um it's a crazy amount of money, and um it's a situation I was left in, and uh, my insurance rejected to pay to pay the bills because they ruled it as a pre-existing condition because I was able to get my uh, insurance back up after being unaware. I was told at the hospital that uh, my insurance had uh, had. had ended and expired right then. I was really much in shock and I, I didn't know what to do. So I managed to get my insurance back up two days later, but the rule is a pre-existing condition because I felt sick prior to renewing it. So I wasn't able to be covered. And uh, 
ended up amounting to 120,000. So here I am. I, I thank everyone who supported me because I had a GoFundMe that came up, you know, raise a certain couple of money and uh, being able to um, slowly uh, re- try to resolve the situation. But, you know, the bureaucracy is still not making things a little bit easier. But uh, we're still hopeful that, you know, that Canada can still come back through. But um, I think the most important thing that comes out of this is why I'm here to tell my story. And I thank Tolani for calling me over here to uh, be able to tell my story. And uh, I believe it's to, it's, it's to be the voice for people who may not be able to speak up to drive change where some people have been put in situations that cannot even be able to have any sort of advocacy or have their voice come out. And my situation was so unfortunate, but who am I not to, to speak up? I never know who I'm going to be, who I'm going to be saving because I'm pretty sure there might or might not be someone who has faced what I've faced because my amount is, is, is it's a lump sum. It's very huge, but um, I'm hopeful that there's going to come a day where we're going to reach the result, you know, and get this healthcare back for all because I believe healthcare for all it's the best for everyone because international students deserve this too as much as anyone else since we do pay taxes as well. I believe that's my take. Thank you, Tolani. Yeah, thanks, Calvin, for, you know, sharing all of that. And I'm really, really sorry that happened to you. That is not, you know, like the easiest thing, especially right now where, you know, like students are really facing a lot of things. Like we're going through so much right now. Like there's the strike, there's online classes. And then for you, you have to still, you know, go through how to pay this big sum of money like that is no joke juggling school as well like that is not an easy task yeah. I'm really 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 sorry that happened to you and you know like the thing is like having health card for Canada used to be such a great incentive for international students and why like a lot of us chose Canada instead of going to the U.S. Oh, so. it was more like yeah. oh like Canada has health card and you know like the health system is so much better than the U.S. so let's go here because you know like we have this and you know, mm-hmm. but it turns out that's not the case anymore. And right. and now there's almost no incentive for students to really come to Canada as opposed to, you know, like going somewhere else. And mm-hmm. I guess which is something the government really should also take into account if they're saving that much money. Very soon, international students wouldn't find Canada a good place to come study at anymore. And then mm-hmm. the amount of money that we're making or like we're bringing in while we're studying here will be almost all gone and would be over the amount of money that they thought they could save. Mm. If you lose all the students, then where are you getting the money from, right? But yeah, you know, like myself, pretty much during the same time, during May as well, I had to go get tested for COVID. And Mm. for a lot of like people with health card, when they do get tested for COVID to get your result back, you can pretty much just go online, put in your health card number and get your result, right? But for a lot of international students or migrants that don't have health card, that's not the case. You have to call the phone number to request for your result. And that phone call can take as much as as long as an hour or even more. And I think that was pretty much the case for me. And I had honestly, like, I'd started experiencing symptoms because I did end up testing positive for COVID. And I started Mm -hmm. experiencing symptoms, I think, just a day before that. And this was me really sick. Um really tired the last thing I really want to do at this point is be on a phone call for that long and I was sick all I just wanted to do is either go to sleep or do something else that's not being on the phone but I can't sleep because I have to be on the phone and the moment I do the person if they don't hear anyone pick up from the other end they're gonna hang up so this is me waiting for almost an hour I'm pretty sure it took or like it was more than 30 minutes and I was there in pain waiting for someone to pick my call just for them to tell me that you know this is your result. And that was not fun at all. Like having to, because just don't have the health card. And that's 
that's the thing. Like a lot of, you know, like the gravity that comes from not having the health card really came to show, like really came to the eyes, especially during this pandemic time. And really just goes to show just how much we really need this back because it really just affects a lot of people. And there's just, you know, like really tiny things like like myself, like being able to go online to check my results just right away instead of having to wait on the phone for that long for someone that's not feeling good. If we just had the health card or, you know, like an easy, easier way to be able to check that, that would have made things a lot easier. Honestly, it really is discrimination at this point because like, Compared to someone who could have done that, that's discriminating against me because I couldn't have done that because of, you know, because I'm an international student and I don't have the health card. And similar goes to, you know, like the case of international students getting the vaccination card, which thankfully has been resolved. But, you know, like when it first started, that was not the case. Like we couldn't apply for the health card. And I remember getting the immunization record paper thing and just staring at it like, what's this supposed to do for me? Like this could easily be damaged. Number one, two has way too much of my information on there that I needed to, because it not only had the COVID nineteen immunization, it had like your previous immunization as well, like tuberculosis or like other immunizations. Like that's like personal information, you know. Like I'm showing, I go to a restaurant, I'm showing their worker that I'm vaccinated. I don't want you to see all of this about me. I want to keep my information as private, but you know, I don't have the choice because that's all I have. And also the fact that he wasn't even recognized by some organization. So like that was, and you know, because of that, a lot of international students coupled with the myth that they were in from back home about vaccination, they were also very not inclined to get the vaccine because, you know, what's the point? If I get the vaccine, I don't have the proof to show that I'm vaccinated. So like, what's the point at this point to get the vaccine? And I'm pretty sure I heard a lot of those. Um, like, what's the point of getting vaccine if I can't get a proof that I'm vaccinated? And, you know, like that shouldn't be the case because, not only that it's affecting us, it's affecting the public as well, because, you know, like, especially in the case of vaccination, if international students are not back getting vaccinated, then that affects the public, because, you know, the whole thing. So that really just stems to, like, how important the health card is and, you know, why we really need it back and, and things like that. So, yeah, thanks, Helen, for really sharing your story. That was really great. And thank you for coming to the show as well. And then my second guest here today on the show is... Karen. Karen and I both are part of an organization called Healthcare for All. We advocate for healthcare for not only international students, but as, as well as um, migrant workers as well. So Karen, if you wanted to introduce yourself, that would be great. Right. Thank you, Tolini. And I really appreciate Calvin sharing your story here Thank with you. us this afternoon as well. So yes, um, my name is Karen Hamilton, and I've been working with a coalition called Healthcare for All since uh, we launched it in November of last year of 2020 during the pandemic. Um, you know, I think as I'm listening to you too, I'm, you know, I'm also aware that Canadians and Manitobans really pride themselves on our healthcare system and, <laughs> and that it's a universal healthcare system, yeah. uh, so-called universal, because I think mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't realize is the number of people who are excluded from accessing healthcare provincial public health care. And that's international students, but it's not just international students. It's also migrant workers who have work permits of less than one year. And it's refugee claimants who have been denied and undocumented residents who may have lost their status for a variety of reasons. And then also Mm -hmm. visitors who maybe got stuck here during the pandemic and not expecting the pandemic to to arrive. And, you know, we know this was... 
you know, the lack of healthcare coverage for all these groups of people was an issue before the pandemic. And I have been working with migrant workers for, um, you know, about 15 years now here in Manitoba. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's always been an issue. But I think that the pandemic has really shone a light on the issue and um, and just demonstrated the importance of healthcare for everyone in the province, for the good of everyone in the province. So, yeah, that's, I think, so, so what we've been doing as Healthcare for All since November is just making a really public call for the government to implement and provide healthcare coverage for everybody, regardless of their immigration status in the province, and to implement like a communication campaign to let everybody know when that happens, and also to implement some policies that will allow people to feel safe to access health care without fear of and being detained or deported mm-hmm. because of that. So that's what we've been doing. But at the same time, we've made that public call and been, have been doing media releases. And we did a, a, a media conference to launch our coalition last year. We've also just been, you know, reminding the province all through mm-hmm. this year that in fact, there are people without provincial health care coverage so that they're not forgetting that people that don't have the coverage while they're responding to the pandemic. And Tolini, you know, highlighted, you know, how the system has been designed only for people with health care coverage. So for t- mm-hmm. COVID testing, for vaccines, for mm-hmm. proof of vaccination, all those systems were designed for people who had provincial health care coverage. And so they've had to, because they weren't thinking about people without, they've had to, because of pressure from groups like ours, you know, I feel like we've been successful at making sure vaccines are available for everyone, putting pressure to make sure that the people can access proof of immunization. But because that it was never conceived in the beginning. They've had to make these workarounds and make other processes which are not as accessible. So, you know, we know this is a big ask. It's a big demand, but we understand healthcare is a human right. It's unacceptable that we're living through a global pandemic and people in our province don't have access to, to provincial healthcare coverage and to free healthcare. Calvin, your story highlights exactly because sometimes we hear people say, well, you know, international students and migrant workers have private health insurance. They have health insurance. That's Mm -hmm. fine. Well, it's Mm -hmm. not fine because we know private health insurance is not as accessible and it's not as good as public health care coverage. Yeah. So we know that, and and your story highlights one example of why, because an insurance company can say, sorry, that's a pre-existing condition. condition, we can't yeah. do it, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so absolutely. So so this is why when we have public health care coverage, we don't have to worry about that, and we can go yeah. to the hospital or to a doctor without that concern, will this be covered or not? Yeah. Some of the research has shown that people without health care coverage if they're low-income people, which mostly are, right, people yeah. without public health care coverage, people will delay their health care treatment so long, and then their conditions may become much more severe. And so yeah. we know some, for example, undocumented people will 
not present themselves to a hospital until they're almost at the point of death because of the fear of the money that they're going to have to owe. Like, I'm so glad you went to the hospital no matter what. And now, you know, as a community, we try to figure out the $120,000, but not everybody does that out of the the fear, right, of of not being able to pay. So... You know, I I so appreciate you sharing your story because this is important that people understand that it, it the human impact of not providing healthcare coverage for people. Or for yeah, all thank people. you. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, thank you for highlighting that. I do believe that uh, people out there are very oblivious to the situation. Many of them do not know what's what's going on out there. But it's good to bring it to light so people can actually understand and know that oh, okay, this is what it is that's there, and we do something about it. You know, yeah, thank you so much for that, Karen. Yep. All right. Um, thanks, Karen, for sharing all of that beautiful work that Healthcare for All has done. It really seems like that we've made a progress, and I'm really happy to see that. I guess my next question really goes to like, how can I guess our listeners or students or the public join and help with this fight of getting the healthcare health card reinstated? Thanks, Tolani. Yeah, we have a few ways that people can get involved. Um, one is that we have a petition up on the website of Canadian Federation of Students, and you can sign that petition to support our demand for healthcare for all. And that petition will also go to your own MLA. And so also feel free to contact your own member of the Legislative Assembly. We're currently um, working with supportive MLAs to read our petitions from the floor of the Legislative Assembly. And we're going to be working with a number of different MLAs over the course of the year. We've already had our petition read twice. And so that's on the record. It's heard by everyone in the Legislative Assembly. And they know that this is being demanded from the community and that we have support from a number of of other MLAs for this uh, demand. Secondly, I we are also currently um, running a little a small survey to find out the experience of people without public health care coverage with vaccines and with proof of vaccination requirements here in the province. So we'd love for you to share your experience and that will help us to understand where we need to pressure the province to improve, to make sure that people's health care is being safeguarded and protected during this time and, and people are having enough access to vaccines and are not experiencing barriers due to the proof of vaccination requirements. And I think also like Calvin shared his story and we know there's so many other stories of people in the province who are affected by this lack of public health care coverage. So if people are you know, able to share their story and they can even do it anonymously. These stories are something that our coalition can be using to show the human face of this problem in policy. If people wanted to talk to the media, that's also something media are often interested in that human angle. And you'll see that Calvin's story did get quite a bit of media attention in the summer because it was a it was a very difficult situation and I think woke up a lot of people. So those are some of the ways we've 
been thinking about having a rally, but during the pandemic times, it's a little bit complicated, but uh, I think it's probably in the works. Uh, you know, there'll be one uh, sometime <laughs> within the next year. So those are just some ways right now that people can participate. Right. Thanks, Karen, for sharing that. If anyone wanted to find more information, you can follow Healthcare for All on our Instagram page at Healthcare for All underscore MB. And you can also follow CFS MB as well for more information about this. Keep up with what we're posting and for internationalists and our our allies as well, if you wanted to help. And I will actually also be putting up posters on the campus tomorrow. Woohoo, finally. So if you see any healthcare for all posters on campus, just stop by and, you know, maybe give it a read. Scan the code and see where it lets you to help out, fill out a petition. Sign them. And yeah, that is pretty much it for the show today. Thank you so much, Karen and Calvin, for, you know, humbling my late invite and showing up and, you know, like talking about your experiences and the work that you're doing. It's been really great having you on the show. So yeah, thank you so much for that. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Tolani. And thank you, Karen. We had a constructive conversation and uh, let's hope, hopefully, that our efforts come to fruition. So yeah. Hopefully. Thank you both for this. Yeah. All right. That brings our show to an end. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our episode today. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week. And remember to follow us, to keep an eye out on our Instagram at Dear Everyone Else underscore UM for more information about our next show and for more exciting stuff that we're bringing forward. And also, if you have any questions, don't forget to email us at Dear Everyone Else. 891 at gmail.com. Once again, we're T and T with dear everyone else. Bye. Bye.